Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Boom, boom, boom. Where's everybody running? Look at everybody gone. Love goes somebody tell me. I'm gonna tell you about Baloo's getting married. What you say? About Baloo's getting married. What you say? Gonna tell you about singing. All the people are singing. looking at a bunch of records that I've... Ooh, the Venetian snare! Yeah, that record, I probably... There's a lot of these things where, like, I shouldn't really... Oh my god! Do you like that record? Yeah. It's your record. Yes! Oh, I'm getting rid of a lot of stuff. You want to wow. ask me any... You want to ask me questions about this? That's, Where'd you get this Alaskan folk songs record? I, Hashtag, is it also relevant to your music? It, that uh, Paul Roseland Alaskan folk songs I bought as a present to give to Rob Fisk because he's an Alaska person. Oh. But I never gave it to him because I listened to that record and it's not very good. That is wow. like something, it's cool, it's a cool record, but I'm like never going to listen to it again. I'll listen to it. That's also... Uh, I'm going to listen to it while I'm making Okay, dinner. so the, that what you're holding now, a yeah. sound effects record... Oh, cool. That uh, someone gave me as a birthday gift once. You underlined this helicopter. I didn't write, that's not my writing, I don't know. I never, oh, that's a, there's pretty good stuff on there. Can I listen to You know what, these are all your, that's a Halloween record. Yeah, uh, oh yeah. I guess it should have been like a video, (laughs) but 
Um, yeah, so uh, how's your life going, Sarah? What's going on? It's pretty good. Um, I've walked over here today from my studio. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of nice out. Yeah, it was nicer earlier. It's a little getting a little gray. I know, it looks Oakland like it's going to rain. What is it, like Sunday in Oakland? It's Easter Sunday. Yeah, it's totally Easter Sunday. And we've been wanting to do a podcast together for a while, and we've never found a way to do it or I know. have a theme. I know, but now we have a theme because we're talking. Oh, here's David Horvitz's lovely Polaroid book. Oh, yeah. I guess I was... Don't... I'm not really going to sell that, David. Um, David. I'll take it. David, do you listen to podcasts, David? Let's talk about our friend David. Um, no, uh, I... Yeah, no, like, there's a lot of stuff. I hit this point where... I am a person, like I was saying, who gets emotionally attached to a lot of my stuff. Uh-huh. And it, it makes it hard to unload it. And then when it comes times like now where I'm like not sure what I'm doing. No, there's no, that's just art supplies. That's a very good... Um, What's what? this dildo? <laughs> art supply. <laughs> I need... Oh, God. I need a lot of dildo in my art. Um, ah! But, you know, when, when you, it's like, how, how close am I to becoming a hoarder, in your opinion? I don't think you're a hoarder. I just think that since you I'm just, have a distribution thing, and you that's like, part of it. are a musician, you have all these records. I have yeah. ADD. That's, that's basically what it comes down to. Does, the ADD doesn't necessarily mean you're a hoarder. Right. Um, well, I mean, I think I'm borderline. I think it's in my family. I definitely see a genetic... It's not a genetic predisposition, just a general predisposition uh-huh. to this this type of behavior, and I don't I don't know where it comes from. Hmm. I don't really understand it, uh, but I do think like when I talk to someone uh, about this problem, that it came to light that my family, uh, my aunt told me recently that my family got really freaked out. Uh, or they didn't, they didn't get really freaked out. My aunt would not say it, but then my family got freaked out. Uh, my family left China kind of, like, in a rush. Uh-huh. Like, they didn't know that they were, like, leaving China, like, forever. So basically, they were like, hey, let's take a bunch of kids. Why'd they leave? Because of the war that was happening. Mm-hmm. And, I'm sorry, that's as specific as I can get. Well, it's like the nationalists versus, like... I guess like Mao. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, they ended up going to Taiwan, like on a day's notice, with only like whatever they had with them, like the clothes on their backs. Mm-hmm. And apparently it was very hard to get out of China, and they had to start over a new life, basically with whatever they had on them mm-hmm. at the time. And that's like a, a you know like four five like four kids. Like, my aunt was, like, two weeks old when they did this or something. Wow. So, it's kind of... I kind of understand my oldest aunt. She has a really extreme, like, stacks of newspaper-style hoarding. She has clothes that are immaculate from the 70s that are wrapped in plastic. Really? Yeah. And... So, I can kind of understand, like, because they were basically, like, refugees for that little bit of time. They were, like, basically refugees. Mm-hmm. So, I think that, psychologically, you get in this state where you can be, like, oh, I need stability, I need stuff, I need to, like, hold on to that, and it's symbolic of something. 
right? It's like a sentimental attachment that you have to your stuff. Mm. But I think it's weird because I don't think my dad necessarily had the same thing, or my dad is just way cleaner. But my aunt definitely has. She would be considered a hoarder by many people if you actually look through her apartment. But I mean, like everyone responds to that sort of situation differently. Exactly. Right. It's like a. I think like it is a trauma thing though in a way. My thing is like I've been at this place for like four years. And it's because I feel, I like having a sense of stability. Also, it's like one of the, only the second place I've lived without any roommates. Mm. And it's really, it's just an awesome apartment, to be honest. Right? So yeah. I just feel Your like, epic. I just feel like reluctant to let it go. It's like the best thing about the Bay Area, I think. It's my apartment. <laughs> And, like, I got this apartment from my friends. My friends lived here for, like, four or five years. Uh Like, John Dietrich and Kay. Uh And they only... They love this block, and they only moved, like, a couple doors down. And I love this block also. I just don't imagine myself getting a job where I'm going to be needing to be right here.
That's the thing I realized, like, I've kind of not been living here since August, so it's like, I've been in, like, maybe, like, six, seven months where I've survived without most of this stuff. What if you just get rid of all of it? I was thinking about that. Do you think... Like, just don't like, even think about it and just, like, bring everything to Amoeba, bring everything to Moe's, and just get rid of all of it. But doesn't that... Don't you feel like you would regret... Now, you've done a lot of cross-country moves, though. Yeah. So, like, do you regret anything that you've, like, done that with? Once I abandoned my family's kitchen table in my studio in Brooklyn, mm -hmm. uh, and I wish I had gone back and gotten it or something, but other than that... Because that's a family thing. It felt, yeah, and it was also a nice kitchen table, and I just was like, I gotta get out of here, and, oh no, there was a subletter there, and then the subletter had all these problems with the place, and sort of left it, and there was no way for me to get in to get to the table, uh, 
so yeah. So you're not you don't get. But otherwise, no. Nah, you're not super sentimental about that stuff. Not really. Sometimes I get like every once in a while, but there's so much stuff, and everything <laughs> never goes away. And if you really want something, you can always buy it again. If you miss something. I guess that's how See, I feel. I've re-bought books that I owned. Yeah, that seems kind of... But also there are libraries. Friends Well, there's starting to be less of anything. Like, when I look at, like, okay, so this is, like, probably, like, I don't know, 400 records or something like that. Not that much compared to other people, but also that is, like, a thing that once you start to get into that world... You're kind of just in it or not. Yeah. And it's like, do I want to just fold my hands and be like, get rid of all this stuff? Because. Well, yeah. You think that that is something I could just straight up do? Shed some stuff. Maybe this isn't just the end of the the end of your apartment. It's the end of humanity. You know, like no more stuff. No stuff. It's, well, I mean, you just get rid of it. that's like the digital apocalypse, essentially. Maybe it's like the end of your apartment and the beginning of the digital apocalypse. This sort of reminds me of when I was, uh, yesterday I ran into my friend Matt Sussman, who uh-huh. writes about art for The Guardian, but now he's doing something else. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, I just got a check from 2010 for some writing I did for The Guardian. I don't even remember what it was for. <laughs> and he's like, What's the, uh, what is the new name of uh, Titanic 3D? What? The Alternative Weekly. No!
because I was working in music, so that's a pretty interesting just screen print. Um, there's like some note on the back where it came from. I don't, I don't actually even know what that is. It might be a sample. I don't even know how I ended up with it. This is the kind of things that I just, I pick up these things up when other people move, and that becomes part of my personality I think that's too. Wording. Hmm. I think maybe that's wording. This you could just throw out. And you'd feel comfortable with rock. Yeah, it's 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 nice, but what would I do with it? Like I can't do anything with it. It's just like a, a like a sample paper. Yeah. So, so that's me. You want to? What what else is going on with? Well, what projects are you working on? Let's talk about some projects that you did before. Okay. Is a postcard project kind of over? Yeah, the postcard project is. Do you want to explain what it was? Postcard Project was really fun. It's uh, um, the Pretty Panics Press, and I started it when I was in college, and it's um, a uh, postcard press inspired by James Tenney's postcard compositions that publishes uh, rock compositions on the front of postcards with artist statements on the back. And I did it to look at all the different ways that uh, rock musicians notate their music because there's so many different ways that um, uh, rock musicians write. Are there any that you kind of got submissions for that you just haven't made the cards yet? There's one. Which in which one's that? It's this band, Pure Force Hair. Mm-hmm. They're really cool. It's taken me a long time. I still will probably do it at some point, but it's taken me forever. Well, what and I sort of told him, I was like, man, it's taking me a really long time. Did you ever think about doing like a little box set series of, of Totally. Do you have any left of all these things that you could mm -hmm. do that with? Yeah. Um, so who are the other people that had done it? Uh Chess Smith, Molly Thompson, John Darnielle, Sharon Cheslow, Suzanne Thorpe. George who, Berenger. Who's Molly Thompson? Molly Thompson is a really awesome uh, composer who writes uh, rock songs uh, that are really unusual and um, really compelling and uh, very beautiful. Uh -huh. It's as, as a solo project under her own name? Mm, well, she uses musicians, but she sings and sometimes other people sing with her. She, I wrote lyrics for her once, and she sang the lyrics, and it was awesome. It sounded beautiful. Cool. Um, so she does lots of different stuff. Is she East Coast person? She's East Coast and West Coast now, because she lives in L.A. Oh, okay. It's in L.A. and New York. Okay, I'll have to look up her stuff. I've never heard of her before. Yeah. Yeah, you can watch a video of her singing... Um, of her singing these lyrics that I wrote on Neo. I think the name of it is called
Friday. I don't know if you saw the post, um, this girl that I went to school with, her sister was in smog, like, uh, early on. Oh, Cindy Dahl? Yeah. Uh-huh. And then I posted, uh, she passed away, Cindy like, Dahl. on Thursday. Oh, I didn't know that. And I, I only knew that because I happened to see, uh, Renee, her sister's, like, posting on her, on her Facebook account. Oh. And I was like, fuck. Really gnarly. So we, I didn't know what happened. She didn't really say what happened. I just reposted like R.I.P. Cindy Doll, and then like a bunch of people that, a lot of people I wouldn't even think were a Smog fans or Cindy. Also, fairly obscure artists, but you knew who she was. Yeah. And you were like, that's not even your generation. Yeah. That's not even like your generation's music. Like, well, she did a record in like two thousand three, but um. Yeah, it's a little surprise. I was surprised at how many people in the music community, or even a little bit outside the music community, were like totally knew her stuff. And it almost seems like a lot of people hadn't thought about it in a long time because she hadn't put out a record in like you know, God, almost really ten years. Sad. It's very like yeah, dreamy but really creepy. Yeah, there's that one song that goes something like You've never heard this one? Mm-mm. This one is like, I have to make you copy. This is like the one that is like, oh, really? everyone is like pretty obsessed with this one. Uh, and a lot of people, I think a lot of people think of this one more than this one. Oh, really? Yeah, because this, okay, so the, 
just for when I'm, I'm just saying this one and that one, but uh, so Cynthia Dahl did this album. It came out in like '96, and it was just had no name on the spine or nothing on the artwork mm-hmm. on the outside at all to indicate what it was, and it was filed under Untitled. And I think when Drag City put it out, it was just called Untitled. But like Bill Calhoun's on it. There's like a duet they do together, um, and so I think the subsequent pressings actually attributed to her.
you actually have heard that red record, and you were a fan of that record. Yeah, I have that red. I've had that red one for a really long time. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it is weird because I only I didn't really know her. I think I maybe met her twice. I met her. She was in Sacramento, right? Yeah, she. Well, her sister I knew from school and like student stuff, mm-hmm. and uh, so I met her once through that. She'd come down to help her campaign, and I only a couple months ago got back on in touch with Renee because I like. I just randomly thought of her and, like, looked her up on Facebook, and she's, like, a, uh, she's an expert in natural childbirth after going to, like, Harvard Law School. Cindy Dahl? Uh, no, Renee, her sister, the one that I I knew. And, uh, so I just kind of, like, randomly looked her up, and, uh, it's a really interesting crew of people that I was in student government with, because at the time, our president was Chunk from the Goonies, this guy Jeff Cohen. Who, like, the only really vivid memory I have of that is once I saw Jeff do Shylock in Merchant of Venice at, uh, at Cal, and he was obviously, like, two things, a former fat kid and a former child actor. I think that is a really difficult combo to get through your college years with. So he was actually a pretty buff dude, because I think he had been like, I'm going to get rid of this fat kid stigma. And he's like, you're like famous for being a fat kid, basically. That is beyond just a regular fat kid thing. You're like just known for being a fat kid. That's rough. Yeah. Um, so he was like, you know, trying to be like a thespian or something at the time. Uh, and then I feel like when he ran for student body president, it was this thing of like, of course he's going to win. Like, who you have the entire marketing power of, like, the Spielberg machine from the time you were, like, eight or whatever to now to, yeah, of course, who's not going to vote for Chunk from the Goonies for president of student body? Um, Another guy that was in our student government was this guy, Guy Branham, who is now a really good stand-up comedian who got his start, I think, doing writing for Chelsea Handler. So he wrote a lot on Chelsea. Yeah, he was a writer for Chelsea's show. It was on panel a lot. I think he did, like, tours with Chelsea. And, like, he was just in that movie, No Strings Attached, with Natalie Portman and Ashton Kutcher. And he's, like, he plays, like, the big gay roommate of of Natalie Portman. That's his Mm. character. So, um, I'm, like, did your character have a name, even? He's, like, uh, I don't... Everything you saw was pretty much all you know about my character. He <laughs> made sassy comments, and he uh, <laughs> and he, uh, he, he got to he got thing. to ogle Ashton Kutcher's butt. That's pretty much it. That's such a lame like like okay, gay guy. <laughs> well, yeah. Ogle the straight dude. He's yeah. <laughs> well, over his butt. you know, I I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, it, did they did these people think they were being progressive by putting that in there? I don't really know how that works. Hmm. Oh, that record you just pulled out is... I can't give you that for free. But it is a Q Mori and Juliana Barwick. Yes, you can How buy much are you selling it for? I have to look it up. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, so, yeah, Guy... And I, I kind of r- randomly reconnected with Guy because, like, a lot of random things... Like, we knew each other, like, whatever, in the 90s. And then I ran into him once in Minneapolis when he was in law school. Just randomly at, like, a, a pub or something. And then... 
he brought this up the other day. He ran into, he saw me when I was working at this movie theater. And I was like in my mid-twenties working at a movie theater. And he's just like, George Chen working at a movie theater. And I was like, kind of like a little like, bit shaming. Weird. A little bit shaming, but yeah. I, I think he, I don't know if he meant it in an insulting way, but I think I took everything then as an insult. You're working at a movie theater? <laughs> yeah, and it was an interesting movie theater at Which the time. Theater? I worked at the Albany Twin, and the, my, oh, cool. yeah. my co-workers were like John Mink, and, well, I actually didn't really know John at the time, but it was just, like John worked there. My manager is now my bandmate, Gregory. Um... Owen from Cassie Tone for the Painfully Alone, and oh, now Advanced Space work there. Mm-hmm. So it was just like a bunch of like weirdos that would hang out with each other, and you know we'd sometimes have like popcorn fights. Um, it was just basically a job I knew I could get when I had no other job options, and I was doing something weird at the time where I was living at my parents' house and uh, commuting to Albany to do this job. Super weird. It was super depressing. Yeah. It was a very depressing time. I had like very few options. Anyway. Around the time. But then, last year, I went and took this class at UCB, mm-hmm. improv class, uh, a Brixton's Brigade, not mm-hmm. Casey Berkeley, uh-huh. and, like, I walk in the door, and it's, like, Guy Random is there. It's, like, what are the it's odds? I walk into a room of, like, 20 people in Los Angeles, and I know someone. It is very strange.
That's J.J. Burnell from The Stranglers, a track called Freddie Laker from a record called Euroman Cometh, which I'm told the backstory is he was the homeless member of The Stranglers and slept in the studio and made this whole record uh, while they're making Radis Nervoticus. Uh, that's the story anyway. Before that was Bone All from their debut 2003 cassette by Ropes Through Dirt with uh, Six Within Death. And before that, Kit, a band that I am in, KIT, and a track called Lazarus Taxa from uh, our friend's compilation, uh, Benefit for Caring is Cool. And the album is called The Animal Within Us, and put together by Charlene Yee, and has her band, Old Lumps, as well as Moses Campbell, Fred Armisen, The Finches, and Bobcat Goldthwaite, which I will hopefully one day play that track. Um, thanks for sitting through the new format I'm trying out uh, for this podcast with a little bit more than just me in a room. It's me and someone else in a room. And to back announce the other tracks that were played, there was something off the first Cynthia Dahl album, a track called Holland, which is her and Bill Callahan, off uh, the Untitled album, and Be Safe With Me from the Second album, Sound Restores Young Men, also in Drag City. Uh, there was a track off of Vimeo, which was Molly Thompson uh, and her song using Sarah Wentz's lyrics. And played something from Raincoat's Audi Shape, uh, Red Shoes. And they were in town about a month ago. And I, yeah, wanted to include some Raincoat's. And I don't know how to pronounce this other track, but it's by Na Hawa. Dumbia, and it's a reissue of a woman from the 70s on Awesome Tapes from Africa. And yeah, I just opened everything up with The Eternals and Babalu's Wedding. So let me know what you think of this new format. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, at George the Chen. You could also go to the website, zumonline.com. I hope you do. I hope you do go to the website. I dare you to go to the website. And uh, we're going to leave you with this track that has been going around on YouTube, and it's some kids that are like seven years old uh, doing a Romstein cover, and it's pretty great. Uh, thanks for listening.
lightning out of my eyes. It will not set tonight. It will not set tonight. And the world counts loud to ten. One. Yeah, it's for. Yeah, I don't know, man. Who might have done so? Who? Be now, don't know.